This is Limit Up, the place where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology to take your trading to the next level. Good morning, traders, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. I'm your interim host, Jack Pelzer. This is your one-stop shop for all things related to futures, forex, psychology, geopolitics, alchemy, the occult. And you know we'll always be diving into these things with the financial professionals who know them best. And speaking of best, I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce you all to someone very special to the podcast. He's been a wildly successful euro-dollar trader. He was on the board at the CME. He's a venture capitalist, a philanthropist a veritable renaissance man, and he'll be the brand new host of the Limit Up podcast beginning next week. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Mr. Jeff Carter. How you doing? This is Jeff Carter. I'm a top step trader I'm starting this podcast. I uh, wanted to tell you a little bit about myself. I uh, was a trader on the floor of the CME for a long time. I uh, started in 1986 and uh, I was a runner down there. Then I clerked in the Eurodollar options, then wound up trading futures, had a guy back me, and then I went on my own in 1992. I wound up on the board of directors there, um, on their political action committee and and a bunch of other committees. But we were the board that changed the place from a nonprofit to for-profit, and we went public in 2002. When I joined the board, the board was... I mean, the exchange was worth about $182 million because it was a mutually held thing, and we unlocked the equity value, and today I think CME is the largest exchange in the world and worth $70 billion. After that, I got my MBA at uh, the University of Chicago because on the board I used to have lunch with a guy named Merton Miller, and he um, he told me to get my MBA at Chicago. And if you look up Merton, he's a Nobel Prize-winning economist, so he's a pretty smart guy. So he got to follow the advice of smart people. And so I did that, and I started Hyde Park Angels in Chicago with a couple of my classmates and um, really got the seed stage investing boom in Chicago going back in April of 2007. And now I have a little venture firm. We invest in B2B fintech um, with my partner, Kenny Estes, who came out of get-go. He was a high-frequency trader, um, and we invest in early-stage startups. So um, I'm happy to be doing this podcast, and one of the, the goals I have for it is to create community because I think the floor had a community, and it's very difficult to create community in the world now with this virtual stuff. You feel sort of naked. And so one of the things I really want the audience to do is send me ideas of topics that they want to hear because I'll pull in somebody from my network that can talk about them. And uh, this is not about me. This is about you guys and you girls, um, anybody that um, has an interest in trading and is using Top Step Trader as a platform. And I think uh, they've been very, very active. Um, I've watched their development in Chicago over time at trying to help people so that they set them up for success rather than failure. And so that's what this podcast is going to be about. We'll cover topics from all over the place, and we'll, hopefully we'll have a lot of interesting guests on, and hopefully people will give me great ideas so that I can uh, help educate the community around them, because um, without you helping me, I can't help you. So take care, and I hope you enjoy the shows on the podcast. 
We'd like to thank Jeff very much for recording that little introduction. Guys, you are going to love Jeff, and you're also going to love the massive guests he brings onto the show. In one of the upcoming episodes, he will literally be interviewing a general about discipline and leadership, an actual military general. You guys are definitely going to want to give that a listen. But I must say, today's show ain't bad either. We're going to have your favorite top-step performance coaches, Dan Hodgman and John Hoagland, discuss the fallout from the Fed meeting this past Wednesday. They'll also go into a little history of the institution itself and the massive role it plays in the economy and markets. And if you happen to be thirsty for more learning, be sure to check out the Top Step Trader blog and join the private, some might even say exclusive, Top Step Trader community group on Facebook. So why do we keep this group private? Well, because we care about building a positive space for traders to talk about the markets and psychology and get feedback in real time. It's also a great place to talk about how you're feeling with other traders who can empathize. And at the end of the day, isn't that what we're all looking for in life? Just a little empathy and a sense of belonging. So go over to Facebook and join the over 4,000 traders already in that group and start getting motivated. And with that out of the way, let's throw the mic over to the most empathetic man that I know, Mark Meadows, for this week's Market Reaction. The screens are green. I'm recording this after the close on Thursday, and the only thing on my future screen that fell today was the 30-year bond and the 10-year treasury, which leads me to my thought of the week. What's baked in? The Fed shook things up in a very big and very real way this week with their confirmation that the next move would be an interest rate cut. Gold, one of my favorite bull markets that I talked about a couple weeks ago, took off up 3% on Thursday. Precious metals clearly didn't see the Fed move coming. On the other hand, equity futures gained, but not nearly as much, while, as I mentioned, treasury futures fell. Treasuries saw the move coming. Bonds were pricing in this move for months, and that's important to know. What market is at the beginning of a move, and what market is at the end of a move? From today's reactions, it seems like bonds are at the end of their move. Gold is closer to the beginning. And as it relates to the dollar and equities, it's much harder for me to see whether there's more room to the upside or downside. So I'll let the market tell me. As for now, I'm going to stay on the gold train without chasing while being open for what other markets may indicate. You can do the same or have a completely different view, but don't trade this market without a plan. And that's your market reaction. Thank you, Mark. Unless you've been hiding in a fallout shelter, you probably know that the Fed is signaling rate cuts in the coming months. Fortunately, we're graced today by the presence of the incomparably brilliant, eminently talented, and rakishly handsome duo of Dan Hodgman and John Hoagland, to make sense of it all in this very special Limit Up interview. Thanks for the lovely introduction, Jack. These are your two favorite performance coaches around here. I am Dan Hodgman sitting down with the man, the myth, the legend, Mm -hmm. Mr. John Hogan. That's right. That's right. The the (laughs) myth, the legend. Right? Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, John, I'm excited about this week. Anyone that watches our live shows on YouTube, tends to know kind of where we stand on the Fed, and uh, it's a constant conversation. Well, this last week, we had 
the Fed come out in the constant conversation around it, will they cut rates? Will they stay the same? Will the terminology change? And uh, the number comes out and nothing's changed, slight change in rhetoric. Um, but I think it's important, John, that we understand what the Fed is, what they're doing, and how they make their decisions. And I think you've got a little uh, little understanding of exactly what it is. Can you break that down for us? Yeah, sure. Uh, what we're really talking about is the U.S. Central Bank. And there's basically three key entities to that. It's the, the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, 12 Federal Reserve Banks, and the Federal Open Market Committee that uh, everybody, every six weeks, they meet and they discuss what they're going to be changing as far as rates are concerned. They're looking at the economy and they basically have five key functions. They conduct the nation's monetary policy. They help maintain stability of the financial system, which we, if, if you were around in 2008, 2000, 2009, and 10, you're well aware of how important they were in that, supervising and regulating financial institutions, of course, uh, fostering payment and settlement systems safely and efficiently, and promoting consumer protection and community development. Now, what it really kind of comes down to is they have what they call a dual mandate. Now, the, mm-hmm. dual, the dual mandate basically says that um, their, their main jobs are maintaining maximum employment. Now, we're all well aware of the employment rate and how it kind of goes up and goes down. And everybody should kind of understand that we're never going to have a zero unemployment rate. There's always people that are quitting jobs to look for new jobs. There's always going to be some degree of unemployment out there. Uh, Their job is to keep as many people employed as possible. Uh, The second of those dual mandates is really kind of a dual dual mandate, they're, Funny how that works. I know, right? <laughs> right? Yes, yeah, so I have I have one key function in 14 different parts, right? Right. So their second dual mandate is to stabilize prices as well as moderate long-term interest rates. John, let me ask you real quick before you dive in there. When you say um, their job is to stabilize prices, is that cost of milk or are we talking markets? Well, we're talking, I think, in, in everything in the economy. If you have a business, you're starting a business, you've been running a business, you you really want to have some sort of stable pricing moving forward so you can make your plans make sense. Okay, as, you, you. as a business, right? So, uh, and, you know, they do that. They stabilize prices by making money more expensive or less expensive if you have to borrow it. That's that's a really good point to make. We have to think. We think about all the time. We hear, well, the dollar's up or the dollar's down, or vice versa. You know, you look at other currencies, or you hear about uh, we have to be cautious with making adjustments because of emerging markets and their debts based in U.S. dollars. And every little move they make, yeah, it's so often we can sit and talk about, well, equities are hurting, so the Fed should cut rates or whatever the case may be. But mm-hmm. there's so many more factors in this that we don't always process. If they make one little change, what's the ripple effect? It goes down to people in these emerging markets, you know, some people that have taken out debt in foreign countries. When we make an adjustment here, it can have that ripple effect all the way down to those people there and how they're going to pay off their debt. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, it is the the largest bank in the world, basically. And when they make a move, it it does take those ripple effects all the way around the globe. Right. And I think 
you know, one thing that has been so constant lately is people talking about wanting to cut these rates so quickly. And it just, it's tough to do because we say all the time, we have to understand that when they make one little change, that ripple effect takes months to take into play. And we have to, before, not we, the Fed, let the Fed make the decision. It's not on us. They're seeing things much bigger. And they have to take the time to understand and learn. And essentially, it's just like any business. You make a decision and down the road, you can finally get the data from it. We can learn how, you know, this marketing campaign worked. They can learn how the Fed, how their adjustment to the interest rates have affected those markets way down the road. And they say it takes probably six months for any changes they make to really become apparent in the economy. Now, you know, they raised rates in December and everybody kind of freaked out. The stock market, you know, had a, had a correction, um, you know, on December 24th, it hit its low December 26th, it turned around and headed the other direction. So it's been about six months since, since that. Mm -hmm. And how are things going now? Well, you know, with what they were discussing today, they did not move rates today, but they are discussing the, the, the risks out there in the economy, in the global economy. And they've ta- kind of taken the idea that they're going to be a little bit uh, more friendly towards cutting rates maybe once or twice this year in order to shore up the markets and the economy you know, moving, moving forward, there, there's a, there's a, you know, some pretty substantial risk out there. They want to head that off before, before anything happens. Yeah, no kidding. You know, you think about it, we're so kind of entrapped in our little circle here in the United States. We think, okay, well, the U.S. looks good. Our economy is continuing to do good. You know, you go out on a Wednesday night to a restaurant and, and they're usually pretty crowded. So, you know, people are spending, people are the economy is doing well. I think that's a great indication how how are restaurants looking? How are people out spending their money? We see that here, and what we kind of forget is because we're not we're not always in a foreign country. We're not traveling all the time. We're not going into Germany and seeing that hey they're really struggling in some places around here. Um, that every time we make a slight adjustment, again it just always goes back to that ripple effect. Other people are going to get affected, and as if we continue to prop up that U.S. dollar, we continue to push our interest rates higher, it's starting to take that toll long term. And so they're starting to recognize, hey, maybe maybe our aggression in the beginning when we started bringing these rates up, mm-hmm. we've noticed, hey, you know what? The effects haven't been, uh, we start to see that it's a little aggressive. Now, we, let's, they adjusted their terminology a lot so far. So let's just kind of take the last year and a half it went from aggressive to we're going to make a judgment call um, to we're going to consider to be a little bit dovish in the sense that we're not going to think any more rate hikes. And then a few months later, now it's, well, they were talking, let's be patient. And now that word patience kind of been taken out and uh, more members of the Fed committee are now open to the idea of the possibility of a cut. So it's a slow, slow process whenever anything like this comes out. They're taking their time. You hear so it it reminds me of it as a kid. Whenever I had twenty bucks in my pocket, my dad would say, "I would just want to spend that twenty dollars." He's like, "You're letting it burn a hole in your pocket. Just hold on to it. Be patient. Wait for something to happen. You know, summer comes around. Got to get the new sunglasses because I worked on I worked on boats and on the pier all day, so I needed a good pair of sunglasses. Last year's weren't good enough. How many of those ended up in the lake? 
way too many to count. <laughs> Only the expensive ones. The, right. The cheap ones you'd never lost. Right. And my dad would always sit and tell me, hey, just be patient. You have to buy it today because a month into summer, they start putting them on sale. You can, you know, it's that whole concept of just being patient, waiting, instead of just jumping in or diving in or going out and getting a new car. You don't want to pay, you know, sticker price on it. You got to wait. You just be patient. You play the system a little bit. You learn. And I think that's kind of what the Fed did here. They were smart and they took their time and they're not jumping in because everyone's calling for a rate cut. They're not just going to jump in and do it. Right. Because like you said, there's so many factors that are involved in this and they have to be just slow and methodical about their decision-making process. Almost, It's almost a maturity. You know, maturity was always explained to me as the ability to put off something you want right now for a better outcome later on. And, you know, that's what the, exactly what they have to do. They have to see what their last moves are creating and then make adjustments after that. Absolutely. I mean, and it's it's interesting. There's becomes lately, it's just become so much conversation for the weeks leading up. It, it kind of gets in everyone's head. And at the end of the day, these markets, we say it all the time. They have a short-term memory. They forget really, really quickly and equities have proved that, you know, we saw the dip all of a sudden, as soon as the dip came, everyone's out there saying, we got to talk about rate cuts. We got to cut interest rates. We got to cut interest rates. Equity markets catch the bid. They start to rally up really nicely. And the Fed comes out and goes, hey, look at that. Don't just jump in. Right. Let them correct themselves. And that's that stabilization we were talking about. The market will kind of stabilize itself over time. Buyers and sellers will continue to maintain that auction process and continue moving. It's when we see these extreme moves that then that's when they have to react a little bit quicker. Absolutely. And uh, we, you know, we, we've seen that several times as recently as 2008, 2009, you know, with the, uh, with the, the housing bubble, you know, prices got too expensive. Mm-hmm. You, things have to adjust. They, oh, they have to adjust. We, I mean, even December, you know, we went into that recession territory down 20% and, mm-hmm. you know, it forces, forces them and to think about their things, but because they just didn't jump into it right away, mm-hmm. the market found uh, support, it stabilized itself, and it just got right back to where it needed to be and making all new all-time highs once again. I mean, that's just you what know, they do. Pretty close to it if, if it hasn't happened yet right? today, maybe soon. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Maybe soon. They just continue to walk upwards, take and, the stairs up. And, you know, uh, part of the idea that uh, the Fed may need to make a move six months or a year down the line gets priced into the market, mm-hmm. you know? So the, the the rally since the since uh, Christmas has, has been partially fueled by expectation of, uh, of a potential rate cut that everybody's been screaming about, but they have to take their time and, and, and make sure that they're making the right moves. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. It's been interesting to watch from an analyst side perspective in the sense of as soon as the rhetoric comes out of let's cut rates, that became everyone's mindset of, oh, let's factor in these rate cuts right now. Absolutely. So everyone's buying the rumor, the number comes out, and all of a sudden it's just that quick sell. Oh, shoot, emotions get involved. Sell this thing off. They didn't cut them. And everyone realizes, wait a second. Oh, now we can hear the, now we hear what they're saying. And now. It's that don't trade the emotion, trade the the reaction to the emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, today it's 
Wednesday, what is it, June uh, 19th, Fed Day, there was no change in rates as pretty much expected. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you take a look at the S&Ps and, and they, they knee-jerked both directions and then kind of went right back to the middle of the range, ended up resolving near the highs by the end of the day, but no major change in the perception of value of it right now. And, you know, who knows? Maybe just a matter of days till we get to those all-time highs. Right. It seems like a total normal thing at this point. A number comes out, the emotional reaction, five minutes later, the market is back to neutral. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the computer shut off, let the number come out, the human emotion get, takes place, finds a little support or resistance, yeah. and uh, those computers click back on and go, hey, price is right back here to middle. Let's get it and keep going. Yeah. And, you know, whenever these come out, you can just see it in... In the dome, the, the liquidity dries up, so you're going to get whip, whippy moves, and you know that that kind of pushes our short time frame traders into doing things that uh, you know maybe they're not prepared for, maybe they don't know about, maybe they don't understand, and they just put themselves at risk. Absolutely, and that's you know one thing to always think about: understand yourself as a trader. If if these volatility and you can you get that FOMO feeling. If that happens to you as a trader, maybe these are the kind of days to stay away for a little bit and uh, just recognize that as your, with yourself. We have to have that. We say in the Marine Corps, know yourself and seek self-improvement all the time. Know yourself. If these are the types of days that you don't do well on because of those uh, emotions or FOMO, maybe that's a time to stay out. Go back, look at how they reacted, and then you're teaching yourself. You're seeking that self-improvement so that going forward – Maybe down the road you can uh, be active in a day like this. Yeah, I mean it. It, it doesn't happen that often when we have a major market correction. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen three, maybe four in in my you know thirty five years in the futures industry. That doesn't really give you that much um, information moving forward for the next time it happens to to be able to expect a good performance from yourself. A lot of it just turns into luck at that time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for anyone out there, if uh, you know you had a tough time here today trading the FOMC statement, you know that's okay. We've all had our experiences, but just going forward, you know, you learn from these lessons. Be patient with it, and uh, just know, understand what the Fed is going through. Like John explained so well, think about that going forward. Think about the processes they have to go forward, and uh, don't always just sit and listen to the news. Yeah, the uh, talking heads uh, are selling ad space. Really, you think about <laughs> Edging it. their own positions. <laughs> you know, w- when the market was tanking, it always looks worst at the bottom, and it always looks best at the top, and they 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 t- tend to sensationalize that, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they they create FOMO in in what they're talking about. Make your own trading choices. Absolutely. Well, John, always a pleasure to sit down and uh, do these things, and um, looking forward to the next time. Hey, thank you, Dan. Always a pleasure. My pleasure, everybody out there. Trade well, trade smart, and stay safe, and uh, we'll send this back over to Jack. Trade well, everyone. Traders, thank you for making it to the ninth inning of the Limit Up podcast. This is a bit of a sentimental moment, as it will be the last episode with yours truly as the interim host. But before I relinquish those duties to a person far more qualified, what do you say we get down and dirty with a little trader therapy? Feeling comfortable. That's good. Remember, it's all good. This week I want to talk a little about the booze, or what Lizzo would call her juice. 
Don't worry, this isn't an intervention. It wouldn't be very effective for me to round up your family and friends and get them in this room if you couldn't see them. Or respond to them. Again, podcasting is not a great medium for confrontation. Anyway, I saw an article last week on Bloomberg reporting that the London Metals Exchange had officially banned day drinking in the open outcry pits. Traders, it goes without saying that your job performance will suffer heavily if you're hitting the sauce on the job. I get it. This is a stressful way to make a living. But you really need to take care of yourself first. Normally, I would make some dumb joke or quote that one Jamie Foxx song about the alcohol. I'm not a singer. But this is far too important. Get help if you need it and talk to someone. And don't let becoming the best trader you can be ever interfere with becoming the best person you can be. We'll let that happy thought conclude this session of Trader Therapy and also this episode of the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. Remember, we'll be back next week with new host Jeff Carter. So until then, namaste and trade well. This episode was produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.